From Harvest Time, Faith Center Church in Vidalia, Georgia, this is the Faith Center Broadcast. Prepare your hearts to receive the powerful Word of God from the dynamic teaching ministry of Dr. Bernard and Valentina Hill. And now, let's join the Faith Center with Dr. Bernard and Valentina Hill. Y'all been messing with me every night in my confession, acting like y'all stole your Bibles. But I want you to know, I want you to say it like it's yours. Amen? Amen. All right, let's make our word of confession. Repeat out to me. This is my Bible. I am what it says that I am. I can do what it says I can do. I am a believer and not a doubter. I'm a doer and not just a hearer. And my life is better after having heard the word of faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing and hearing by the word of God. In 1 John 5, 4, you all know our text, for whosoever is born of God overcometh the world, and this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. You may be seated. We're talking about in this week how to make a successful comeback. How to make a successful comeback. And we said a comeback is a spiritual process of being restored back to or beyond a previous position, posture, or privilege that was lost because of adversity. We also found out that the whole Bible is about man's comeback, man being restored back to God's initial order. And we, we know that uh, God has made a commitment to us uh, in this comeback. Uh, he, he is committed to us being restored in every area of our life. Remember in Psalms 34, 19, it says, Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord, what? Delivereth them out of them all. So I understand it does not matter what I'm going through, whatever affliction that I may be faced with, that my faith is in God's delivering power, that I'm not going to be in it in that situation all my life. And so therefore, I do not get uh, disappointed. I do not become discouraged, but I, my hope is in the power of God. And so I'll come back. It's also a testimony to inspire others who are going through devastating situations. Uh, and it helps them to understand that they can come back too. That if God helps somebody else to come back from a devastating situation, God will help me too. And I'm telling you now, <clears throat> you know, uh, we, we get into a place that we think God have favorites in the family. But God doesn't have favorites. See, God does not, is not moved by your feelings. He's only moved by faith. And if you have faith that God is able to deliver you, and you hold on to the faith, regardless what's going on, uh, God will come through for you. And all of those who laugh at you, uh, they, would, um, they would not be laughing anymore. And so the landscape of life is filled with people who could not recover from emotional setback, could not recover from depression, could not recover from discouragement. However, that should not be the testimony of the saints. Because we have the, test, the commitment from God that he will help us make it through devastating situations in our life. So turn with me in your Bibles to Psalms 37. Psalms 37. Familiar text here uh, we've looked at. In verse 23 it says, The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. Though he fall, he should not be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholdeth him with his hand. Now I see here that there is a possibility in life that I may fall. And if all of us tell the truth, we have had some devastating moments in our life. There have been times in our life that we have disappointed God. And it just amazed me how we forget those days. That when we see someone else in a devastating predicament, we want to talk about them instead of assisting them through the process. 
But when you was going through yours, you wanted everybody to feel sorry for you. Amen. All right, all right. That's all right. I'm going to work you out tonight. I'm going to work you out tonight. I'm going to work you out tonight. That's all, that's all right. So I, so I have to be in a place where that I understand that I'm going to have challenges in life. But the truth of the matter is, it does not matter how bad the situation is. I have to understand that God is committed to bring me through it. I have to understand that. It doesn't matter what you're going through, that God has made a commitment to you in life to help you through it. All right, turn with me in your Bible to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. I mean, chapter 18 is chapter 10. See, because a lot of times <clears throat> people go through things in life thinking they are the only ones going through it. And, and, when, and when you really think of it, when you really know this, right, you ain't the only one suffering. Amen. You, you, you're not the only one who having problems in your marriage. You, you're not the only one who, uh, who's having financial difficulties. You ain't, look at your name and say, you ain't the only one. No, you're not, you're not the only one. No, you ain't the only one going through that. And see, the devil loves for you to have a self-pity party. He, he, he loves for you to do that. Oh, I'm the only one going through this. Everybody have it better than me. Well, the testimony of Scripture is, is that's a lie. There are folk going through the same thing you're going through. All right, are you there? He says in verse 13, There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is what? Faithful. In other words, I have to depend upon the faithfulness of God who will not suffer you or allow you to be tempted above that you are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. In other words, God promised me that there is nothing going to come up in my life that I can't handle. He gave me the resources that I need in order to go through it. But I have to have faith that when I'm going through this, there's a divine purpose designed with it. So I don't have to get emotionally distraught because I have a bad situation going on in my life. Because it is by design I go through it. That's why everybody don't go through it, the same thing. Because everything is by design. Because it's some, there, there are some things because of my call that I have to go through. But then there are some things because of my call that God will not allow me to go through. So I can't look at, look at you and say, mm, mm, mm. I feel sorry for them. Now my thing is, is to encourage you and tell you that's just by design. If you notice in the text he says here, he says that with it he, he leads you through it. Right? He says, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able, but will with the temptation also make a way of escape. In other words, God is the one who gives you the escape route. So if, if I believe that, so when I'm up under something, though I may not see what the escape route is, I have to believe that God has made one for me. It's like this right here. It's, it's like uh, when uh, the children of Israel was getting ready to go through the wilderness, they did not know how to travel through the wilderness. So what Moses had to do is, is he had to get a guide, somebody who was familiar with the territory, to help them go through the wilderness or the path that God wanted them to go through. And it is the same way in life. You're going to be in situations that you don't know how to make it through it, but you have to trust the guidance of the Holy Spirit. That he is going to guide you in the right place. Because sometimes it may look like that he's leading you in the wrong direction, but it's the right direction. You just have to trust him. You just have to trust him. So he said, he, lead, he, gives, he gives me a way out of my situation. So turn to your Bibles to uh, John chapter 14, John 14. See, the word of God gives us the principles we need to act on that will activate the power of God to help us. Now, change, everybody write this down, change for the believer. Change for the believer is the product 
of human effort sustained by divine help. Change. Change for, for the believer is the product of human effort sustained by divine help. In other words, if you want something to change in your life, you have to put forth some effort. But you have to depend on God's power to keep you there. Because you don't know how we can get flaky. We could be doing something we know is right, but then something else we get distracted and start doing something different. So I have to be in a place right that God is going, God's going to keep me. Are you in 1 Corinthians chapter 10? I mean, John chapter 14. He says, let not your heart be what? Trouble. You believe in God, believe also in what? In me. So I understand here that I have control over my emotional state, right? Whatever my emotional state is, I allow it to happen. Whatever it is, I allow it to take place. I cannot, I can't blame the devil. I can't blame my neighbor, no one. It is, I'm the, I'm the cause of how I'm going to feel. You can't make me sick. Can't make me sick. You can't get on my nerve. See, I know, I know. I, see, see, for some of you, you so, it's so ingrained in you, right, that you give somebody else the power to control your emotions that you do not have the strength right now to say, you know, uh, uh, I know somebody, they do make me sick. I do know somebody. And what you have done is that you have given them control over your emotions. Remember I said, people will mess with your emotions if you let them. If, there are people, if they know they get on your nerve, guess what they're going to do? They're going to do what you don't like them to do just to get on your nerves. You empower them. To control your emotions. And I'm telling you, that's why, you know, you, when you understand this, you're not up all night, worried about what's going on, what folks saying, anything, you go home, you go to sleep. I'm, not, I'm, just, I'm just sleep. I ain't in emotional, I ain't in emotional turmoil. I'm not doing anything like that. And so I have to be in a place where um, I'm going to do what it is that God uh, wants me to do. All right. All right, turn to me the Bible to John chapter 16. We have a divine commitment from God to help us. See, because you understand, how you, how you respond to what happened to you is what state you will find yourself in. That's, that's, that's the state you're going to find yourself in. But God is committed to help me. I can't begin, because a lot of folk are in jail today because they had no control over their emotions. People are in the cemetery because they had no control over their emotions. In John chapter 16, look at verse 33, it says, these things that I have spoken unto you, that you, that in me you might have peace. In the world you should have tribulation, but be of good what? Cheer. I have overcome the world. In other words, because Jesus has overcome, I am an overcomer. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm an overcomer. I'm overcomer. See, my overcoming is not based upon the strength that I have within myself. Me being an overcomer is based upon what Jesus done. And whatever situation comes up in my life, I know I'm going to make it through this. Because... Think, think about this. Think about the situations you have been through in life that you let mess you up. Just think about the people you let, you were, you let really aggravate you in the past. And guess what? Now they're not even in your life. And you let them do all that to you. And, and they gone. Because sometimes it's good that you let people exit. And then you close the door and put a do not enter again sign. No, there are some people that has been in your life that you should never let them back in. Oh, okay, okay, all right. See, you know what, man, son? Christians become so gullible. Oh, I'm saved now, and you know, you know, I, I, I got to love everybody. And remember I told y'all last night, I don't love everybody. You got it. And you don't love everybody either. Because if you really just be truthful about it, there's some folks that you really don't want to be around alike. Can I get an amen? No, no, no. You don't love everybody. You know, that's, just, that's just a fault. Only God can love everybody. Only God can do that. He told me to love my neighbor, right? As myself. Neighbor has to be defined. 
Everybody's not my neighbor. Everybody's not my neighbor. And see, if, you know, well, you know, I, I love you in the Lord. And see, you know, we say all that stuff in the church and everything. And then if you really loved everybody, why would you go and gossip and talk about them? If you loved everybody. If, if, if the saints love the way that they say they love, there would never be any gossip in the church if you loved everybody. See, folks, just, it's just a forest. Folks, I'm going to tell you, you love, if you loved everybody, then you would you never lust after anybody if you love them. Boy, they got quiet. They got quiet right there. They got quiet. They got quiet right there. Quiet. All right. Turn to the Bible. Isaiah twenty. Isaiah twenty-six. Who, Lord? I, I got. I got to get into what I want to talk about. Now, the will of God is always determined by the Word of God, and never human experience. In other words, my experience does not determine the Word of God. I do not have an experience and then try to get the Word of God to match my experience. Because, see, my experience can lie to me. You can have an experience that is false concerning what the word of God says. Are you there? Isaiah 26, he says, verse 3, Thou will keep him in perfect what? Peace. Watch this. What's the qualification? Whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusts in him. So trust him. In other words, the peace, my peace in life comes because I'm going to trust God through this situation. Yes, all my bills are behind, but I'm still trusting him. Yeah, my relationship is jacked up, but I'm trusting God. He gives me peace. My peace does not come because my situation is doing good. Because if you have situational peace, then when your situation gets bad, then your peace is gone. Your peace has to be based upon what God said. And he said, he, he keeps me. I don't have to keep myself in peace. He keeps me in perfect peace. But the qualifier is when my mind stay on him. When my mind is on him, he keeps me. Look at your neighbor and say, he keeps me. If my mind stay on him. And so your, your, your emotion is under your control until you surrender them to public opinion. Because that's what a lot of people, oh, people do that. It's, it's, you control it until you surrender your feelings to public opinion. You give you, okay, I, okay, everybody else is doing it, so I have to do this too. Or they may not like me. Are you serious? Public opinion should never be the motivation for how you feel. The truth of God's word should be the motivator. I do things like this because, why are you doing it, doing it like that? Because this is what the word of God say. This is how God say I should do it. Well, we don't, we don't do it like that. I don't remember, I, I, don't, I don't see nowhere in the Bible where it says do it if everybody do it. <laughs> he keeps me. He, see, he's going to keep me in a place, right, to where uh, uh, I, I can do things in the right way. Because folk, folk, folk get, they, they, get, they, they let their emotions just take them all over the place. You, you know, get somebody, you know, uh, show you how, how you, have, you can have control over your feelings. You go get to a funeral, they crying and everything. Folk, you know, they, oh, oh, you know, I wonder, they trying to get all in the casket and everything with the folk. Getting into the cemetery and everything, and they, you know, folk trying to hold them back. Keep them from getting, I just want to go with them. Let them go. I guarantee they're going to faint or do something. They ain't going to get in that hole. Show you, they, 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 they got some control over their emotions. You just acted, and they just want people to just pacify that stuff and try to grab, stop grabbing them. You, you want to go with them, go and go. And see what happens. See what happens if you just stop pacifying the emotions of people. See what they're going to do. They're going to say, I changed my mind, you know. Dry them tears up. Uh, I changed my mind. I changed my mind. No, I'm not going there. Yeah, I'm not going there. And so you can't be caught up in people's emotions. So I understand, in order for me to have peace in my, in my mind, I have to have my mind on God. Because I understand we found out our thinking controls everything we do. And so I have to get my thinking in line with what God says. Turn to me by Colossians chapter 3. Colossians 3. Let me add some new information. Colossians 3. 
See, until you are able to divorce yourself from public opinion, you'll never be able to walk in God's best. Never be, you can't never be able to walk in God's best. See, you know why a pastor has to be fixed in a direction and why he can't lean towards a lot of people? It's because there's too many folks for him to lean towards. He wouldn't know, you wouldn't know what he, he wouldn't, you wouldn't know what he's doing. Somebody, somebody uh, told me one, you know, say they, they couldn't belong to Harvard Town because I don't be in. I, 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 I took that as they were saying I wouldn't compromise. I can't do that I, because I'm, this is not a popularity contest. I'm not in this for folk to like me. Matter of fact, Jesus said folk going to hate you. If you're looking for people to like you, but when you're walking right, people are not going to like you. So you have to count the costs. Everybody's not going to like you. I already, I already know it. Everybody's not going to like you. I already know that. So when somebody comes and says, you know, they say you don't like you, I already, I already count that cost. That cost, I already count that, that, that right there, that that's going to be the thing, so it don't even matter. I'm not, I'm not like I told you the other night, I'm not upset folk leave the church. Folks left the church. They're going to leave my church, go to Reverend Fairy World Church. Then they're going to leave Reverend Fairy World Church. Then they're going to go back to somebody else's church. Then they're going to leave the church and go somewhere else. That's why you don't worry about it. They, they go, they're going somewhere. They're they just, just hopping. The church, you know, so your pastor, you know, a pastor get all caught up. Oh, they, they didn't left my church. He's emotionally unstable. And the devil have him in a trap because he's counting folks. He's doing what David done when he censored Israel and God didn't tell him. The Bible said the devil led him to do it. And the plague came over Israel. Folk died because of the disobedience of the leader. Because he, got, he let David let him get in his emotions. And they shouldn't have let him do that. He thought he was all this. I'm going to count him and let him see I'm bad. Are y'all there yet? He says, verse 2, set your affections on things above and not on things on the earth. And so you have control over your emotions, but the devil wants to bring you to a place of devastation and depression. And so how does he bring a person to devastation and depression? Four ways. Number one, he does it through fear. He does it through fear because devil understands that fear overwhelms people. That overwhelms them. You're afraid. It's like I tell people this, ask people this. Uh, you want to go fly a plane? Oh, I ain't, I ain't flying no plane. Why? Oh, no, 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 no. I ain't going to fly on no plane. And really, it's not flying that's the issue because they've never flown before. Flying is not the issue. You know what the true issue is? They are afraid to die because they think that that plane that's up there is going to crash while they are on it. So they, it's fear, and fear will grip you. And have you to be in an emotional upheaval when you are afraid. Fear causes you not to go back to college when you want to get a degree because you think that you're not smart enough. Fear does. Fear cripples you, paralyzes you, and have you in a place where you cannot go forward in the things of God and the devil loves it. He rules by fear. The second thing is falsehood. Falsehood. People lie on you, and you get up, been out of shape. How many of y'all have been lied on before? Raise your hand. So what's the big deal? So, so what is the big deal that somebody lied on you? You've been lied on before. You listen. Let them lie. As long as you know that what they're talking about is not the truth. Number, number, number three, frustration. Frustration. People get frustrated. And they get frustrated because the course of action they're on is not working for them. Instead of getting frustrated about something, just change what you're doing. Why, why keep on doing something that's not working? Just change. If it is not working, why are you frustrated? Just stop doing it. Frustrated. You can just get frustrated. Just get frustrated. That's my favorite right there. 
So if, you if you're frustrated about something tonight, you shouldn't be frustrated. Just change. Just change, with, change your tactics. Change what you're doing. And then, uh, uh, then number four, fatigue. You get fatigue. That's how the devil get people because they don't get enough rest. Let me tell you all something. I know from experience. I know from experience that if you do not get enough physical rest, hear what I'm saying. If you don't hear anything else that I say tonight, if you do not get enough physical rest, the devil use it to his advantage. Because why? You are not mentally sharp. And he can get you through fatigue. He gets you. And so I have to be in a place, I, I get into to contentment. Turn with me about to Philippians chapter 4. Contentment is the key to living an emotional, stable life. Contentment, that's the key. And contentment is a learned behavior. You're not born with contentment. You have to learn it. Learn how to be content. Just learn how to be content. Are you there? He says in verse, four, uh, verse 11, not that I speak in respect of, of want, for I have learned that whatsoever state I am therewith to be what? Content. Contentment does not mean you do not want better. Contentment says that I'm satisfied right now, right here, but I'm still working my plan. You got it? Because some people say, well, this, is, this must be, this may be all that God wants me to have, so I'm just going to stay right here and do nothing. You just bought the lie. Oh, contentment is, is that contentment says that I'm all right right here where I'm at. I'm not going to get a gun to rob somebody to get some more. Contentment, <laughs> contentment says that uh, I have, I have, um, uh, my spouse, even though it may be rocky, I'm content here, but I'm working on something better. I'm content here. I'm not trying to get rid of her. I'm just working on some stuff. You got it? I'm content. I have to learn that because a lot of us in relationships, we so used to running. Somebody do you wrong, you just, well, okay, that's it right there, I'm gone. Break up. You know, I'm going to the next one. Contentment says I got to work this out. May not be the way I, may not be the way I want to be, but um, this, this is it. I have to be content. And so you have to learn how to respond to your emotions and let not your emotions tell you what to do. This contentment is a position of eternal peace. And satisfaction that is the product of having your value and worth established by your relationship with God and not with others. In other words, your value is not because you're in a relationship with somebody else. Because some people in a place that they feel, I got me a man or I got me a woman, I feel good. And then when you break up, you're crying. No, your contentment is, is that I'm in a relationship with God, whether I'm, I feel good about me, whether I'm in a relationship with somebody or not. Because it, ha it, has, it just has nothing to do with that. Like I tell you the other night, other night you tell somebody, all right, you leave me, you're leaving the best thing you ever had. <laughs> so they left anyway. No, you have, to, you have to detach yourself from that stuff. Your, your values in your relationship with God. You have to detach yourself from the foreign identity this world tries to put on, a, on you. <sighs> it's just like uh, you look watching TV, right? And that person that's on TV, you know, they always put the best thing they can see on TV. Then you start feeling bad about how you look. Because you model on TV who look good, now your emotions about you, now you got to go try to spend some money to try to be like them. Because you're not satisfied with you. You start, now you buying diet pills and, you know, trying to buy, you know, treadmills and elliptical machines, and then they become clothes hangers. 
because you don't have the motivation really within yourself to do it. Because you're not satisfied with what God made you to be because God did not make every woman to be thin. Amen. Okay, I, 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 I got I to work this one right here. I got to work this one right here because, see, some of you all are trapped. See, he did not make every woman to be thin because he did not make every man wanting a thin woman. I got I to work out here. No, 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 no. He did, God, God did not. There are men who do not like thin women. They, they, my granddaddy used to say, if I want some neck bones, I'd go to the store and buy me some. <laughs> now, there are some men who do not like thin women. They want women with meat on them. You got it? Some, that's why there's, God has made them multifaceted. And he, it's just like I, uh, my brother uh, that's up under me, right? Uh, he, he don't like skinny women. No, he don't. Tina, do it. He, he no, you, you got, you, you know. You got to have it on, you understand. No, that's how he is. He's always been like that. He, no, he's always been like, no, you got to have it on you. No, I'm, I'm just saying, no, no, hear what I'm saying. You got to have it on you. But that, that's what he, no, you put, you know, he don't want nobody who's going to look at a commercial and get mad because of their size. He won't, huh, like that. That's what he wants. See, y'all love you today. That's, that's all right. That's all right. And that's why you enter into that emotional devastation because uh, you're trying to be something God never created you to be. You, you better look in the mirror and love yourself. Get in there and love you. <laughs> yeah, I look good. God, God raised up somebody for me. He may not or she may not have showed up yet. But I know there is somebody out there for me. And, and you don't, and you, you can't let the devil just talk you out of that. Because then you'll settle for anything. Amen. The most devastating relationship that you've ever been in is that when you hook, got hooked up with somebody that didn't like you because you didn't like yourself. And they, but they say they love you and they got what they want, they were gone. It's a devastating thing for a man just to visit you at night and don't want to be seen what you're doing the day. That's got to be devastating. He just wants to show up. He just, and, and get his satisfaction and then leave. And then you feel so cheap when he gone when it's really not his fault, it's yours. Because you don't feel good about you. All right, all right, all right, all right, all right, all right. Yeah, they let him in. Because you know, watching that TV, oh, you know, you know, he, you know, he, you know, he, you know, y'all sitting there watching TV and everything, you know. And uh, he said, you know, I, I need you, you know, I need you to. I need you to look, I need you to look like that right there. See, and when you when you are emotionally attached and you need somebody because you have devalued yourself, you get into a place to where you try to be something that you was never designed to be and you get and you get frustrated in the process. And you crying and everything, trying to please somebody who really don't want you. Because if a person cannot accept you where you're at, are you, okay, that's all right. <laughs> no, I'm not saying, I think, I think everybody should be healthy, you understand. I, you know, I'm, I'm not saying that, but I'm, I'm just saying, you know, what is, what is the purpose for you doing what you're doing? All right, all right, all right, all right, all right. So everybody say contentment. All right, turn for me in your Bible to Hebrews chapter 13. Hebrews 13. I'm getting there, y'all. I'm getting there, y'all. I'm getting there, y'all. Hebrews 13. I have to overcome my fear. I have to not care about the falsehoods or the lies they tell on me. I can never get frustrated because I'm never in a place where I will not change my mind. And I never get fatigued because I'm going to make sure I get the proper rest so I can stay focused on what it is that God wants me to do. And so your value is not in the thing you have or the power you have, but it is in the position you have in God. That's who you are. Are you Hebrews 13? Yeah. Look at verse 5. It says, let your conversational lifestyle be without covetousness and be content with such things as you were. Have, for he hath said, I will never leave you, nor what? 
forsake you. So I understand I will never be by myself. I'll never be by myself. No, 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 no. Never. How about never be by yourself? Never be by yourself. He never will. He said, because he said he'll never leave me. He'll never forsake me. So I have the confidence that in my relationship with God, my life is anchored in that relationship. So it doesn't matter who reject me. I'm still anchored in my relationship with God. Yeah, it may hurt, but I'm still anchored. She may say she's going to leave me, and, and, and it, it hurts. I know, I know I'm just an example, girl. I, ain't, I know you didn't say that. But, but I'm still anchored in my relationship with God. I'm not going to leave God because she leave me. Not leaving God. Yes. Not leaving God. Because it leave me. So my relationship with God is anchored. And I'm going to do everything to please him. <laughs> and so how, how do I process a situation? Or how I process a situation is based upon how I'm going to perform. In other words, I need to know how to, pro when I'm in a situation, I need to know how to process this. I need to think about it before I open up my mouth Amen. and say something. Amen. I need to think about it before I begin to act and do something. I need to count the costs. I need to count the costs. And, and the failure of a lot of people in life is they do not count the costs before they act. They don't count the costs. What is it going to cost to marry a man that don't have a job? What, what it's going to cost you. What is it going to cost you to marry a man that's not saved who you think if you marry him, he's going to get saved? What is it going to cost you? What you, what you? what you willing to pay? What you, what you willing to pay? So I have to process it because once I act, I cannot complain about the results. So I have to be in place. I have to, I have to think, I have to think about, okay, he don't have a job. I have a job. I'm not in a relationship and I want to be in one. This this processing now. I'm, I'm, I'm processing because I, I have to stay attached to, to my emotions. Because if I do not process, my emotions is gonna run wild. I'm, I'm processing, I'm thinking about this thing. I don't, he don't have a job, I have a job. I don't need me somebody. I'm lonely at night, I'm cold, but he don't work. <laughs> huh. Am I willing, am I willing to sacrifice an unemployed man to satisfy my needs at night? Are you hearing me? <clears throat> so I'm processing, I'm I'm processing them, and I'm looking, and I'm going through the deliberating process. Because if I become emotionally attached, it is hard for me to become unattached. So I count the cost, so he don't work, I work. He stay at home, watch TV, and watch me go to work. Hmm. I'm lonely at night. Is that a fair exchange? No, you know, you got to tell yourself, you got to say, no, is it, is it? <laughs> no, 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 you have to is that a fair exchange that he don't work? He don't work, fair exchange. And so, and so, and so, no, and so, so what you have to say is, so, uh, huh, I'm going to walk. Because I'd rather be, but no, after you have processed, but what happened to a lot of people, they do not process the information that's given them. And now you get into a situation, you're laying in the bed with somebody you met when you know you have a job, now you're going to complain, why don't you get up and go try to find your job? He ain't had one when he started laying there. You trying to make him something that he started off, you know he wasn't. If he's not going to have a job before he met you, when he met you, he ain't going to get a job. You're going to take care of it. All right, all right. <laughs> so I have to understand. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. So I have to understand 
how I process a situation is going to determine how I perform. I can't, you can't be so hot in, your, <laughs> in yourself, you know, that you can't think properly. You so out of, your flesh so out of control, you can't even think. It does not matter how she look. If you do not process the consequence, you can find yourself in a bad place. Because just because she looked good on the outside, she could be contaminated on the inside. I'm, I'm, I know. <laughs> Don't put your business out there. Don't put your business out there. So, are you in 2 Corinthians chapter 10? Yeah. No, I have to understand this right. You know, just because you know she, you, oh, oh, she look good. Oh, my. Then you go to back. Man, I met this fine thing and everything. And not understand that there's more in the package than the wrapping. Because, because she can look good on the outside and dumb as a box of rocks on the inside. See, because one thing you don't need, one thing you don't need is a trophy. That's right. Because trophies don't work. They only want somebody else to polish them so they can look good. <laughs> Are you hearing me? No, 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 you know. They just, no, they just want somebody to polish them, you don't understand. Oh, I don't have to work. You know, you have to carry them around like this, you know. Showcase. That's all they want. They just want to showcase. And your emotions, you know, your emotions get all out there and everything, you know, and, you know, she, she looking at you and somebody else, and then you cry. Because you did not process your emotions before you act. He says this right here in verse 4. It says, for the weapons of our warfare are, corner, are not corner, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Casting down. Everybody say casting down. He says, he says, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. In other words, what, whatever I imagine, I cannot trust it. Because my imagination is flawed by sin. See, because I can imagine something is good, but I need to process that thing. Why is it that I think that look good? I need to examine it. Because my thing is, is that in God I trust. Everything else I investigate thoroughly. Amen. Okay. And happen to people because they get emotionally distraught. They do not investigate everything thoroughly. They got to look at it, you know. Take a long time. Make it hard for them. Make it hard for them. And so David had, a, had, had to process a situation in his life. Turn to 2 Samuel 11. See, if you don't process it on purpose. Your flesh will process it for you. If, if, if you don't process the situation on purpose, your flesh is going to do it for you. Now here in 2 second, second Samuel, David's supposed to be at war. No. <clears throat> Are you there? 2 Samuel 11. Look at verse 1. It says, and it came to pass after the year was expired at the time when kings go forth to battle that David sent Joab and his servant with him and all Israel. And they destroyed the children of Ammon and besieged Rabbah. But David tarried still at Jerusalem. And it came to pass in an evening tide that David rose off from his bed and walked upon the roof of the king's house. And from the roof, he saw a woman washing herself. Everybody say process. And the woman was very beautiful and to look upon. And David sent and inquired after the woman. In other words, David is in a situation, right? Instead of him processing his emotions, he acted. He's seen her because you cannot stop someone from being who they are and where they're at. That's right. That's right. She was at her own house minding her own business. That's what she was doing. Minding her own business at her own house. And David, because he was out of place, 
gave the enemy an opportunity to put something out there to tempt his flesh. And because David was out of place, he could not process his emotions properly because of him being out of place. And so he go look at it. And then the thing he does is that he summons for her. We all know the story. He, he, he tells her, come on, go, go tell her to come here. Because the devil never puts anything that's ugly in front of you. Amen. He puts something there that's going to entice you to disobey God. And so he, he calls for her. And as David did, he lay with her, for she was, uh, verse 4, and David sent messengers and, and took her. And she came in unto him. And he lay with her, for she was purified from her uncleanness. In other words, she wasn't on her cycle. And she returned unto her house. And the woman conceived. And sent and told David and said, I'm with child. Hear me. Anytime there is not a process of emotions, your flesh is going to act out of a place that's going to disobey God. But there's always something going to be birthed from it. Just like with David. That's why you have to be in a place that you process what you're going through. You cannot allow your emotions to get to a place to where you, uh, you can't do what's right. But in this instant here, we, we see this right here. Everybody said David had a comeback. Because what David done was David, he went to God after he was exposed. He goes to God and he repents. He writes two psalms about this whole experience he had. Broke him so bad. Because what David shows us in Psalms is, is that when you sin against God, and you, I'm talking about real, real saved folk. When you sin against God, it does not just affect your natural. David was talking about how he was wasting the way down on the inside of him. There's such a conviction of the Holy Spirit that you have to do something about it. That's why a person who is a true Christian, like a true, they just can't stay and live in sin because of the heavy weight and the conviction power of the Holy Spirit on their life. Amen. And you have to be in a place, right, that you understand, look, I, I cannot afford to be in a place to where my emotions is all over the place. I have to have some control over them Amen. in my life. So there's 10 things to do when emotions try to get out of control. Let me get out your way. 10 things. Number one, you have to know what's happening to you is not unique. You have to know what's happening to you is not unique. I tell men all the time, you ain't the only one that's being tempted. Every man is tempted. That's what the Bible says. You're being tempted. In, uh, in 1 Corinthians 10, 13, it says, There hath no temptation taken you, but such as common to man, but God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above what you're able, but will with the temptation make a way of escape, that you may be able to bear up under it. Everyone is tempted. Amen. So it's not no unique thing that you're tempted. Number two, um, I'm going to rehearse the promised peace by reading God's word. In other words, when I feel this attack coming on, I have to go to the scripture. I can't pick up the phone and call Sally or anyone else. I have to, I have to look at what, what does the word of God say about this. Number three, you have to speak the promise out loud to sow it in your heart. And remember now, I was telling you all the night, you, you have to speak the word out of your mouth so that it can go in your ear so it can go down in your heart. You cannot wait till Sunday morning to get a word in your life. And that's the mistake this generation of Christians make. That they want to wait till Sunday morning to get a word. The Bible is only picked up on Sunday morning. And then when they get to church, it's not opened in. Because they don't know where the preacher went. Because they did not spend the time that week, their life in scripture. Number, what number I'm on? Number four, you have to interpret your pre-Jesus script from running its course. In other words... <clears throat> You have to have something devised in your life. When, you, when, they, when somebody do something to you and you know how you used to cuss folk out 
And, and when that stuff try to, try to come back up, you have to do something and pull your ear or say, or clear your throat or something to remind you, I am not going back to my pre-Jesus days. Number five, you have to examine yourself to see if you are at fault. Because sometimes you can be going through emotion and stuff, it's your fault. All you, what you have to do is you have to repent. Receive correction, and if there's restitution to be done, you give restitution. Number seven, number, number six, you have to focus on the promise of God that address your situation. Because what you magnify will be what you are. Sometimes there are some things you just don't need to talk about. You talk too much about situations. The more you talk about something, the more life you give to it. Amen. So you need to shut your mouth and talk about something else. Why talk about things that's going to hurt you and somebody else? Amen. So you have, to, you have to shut up. Because, see, when you on the comeback, you got to have, you, this stuff is have to be by design and done on purpose. Number, uh, number seven, you have to choose to trust God and do what he says. You have to trust him. It's just like when you come, people come to church, when they talk about giving the tithe, people emotionally, you can never give out of emotions. You have to give out of obedience because your emotions don't want to give. You have to do it out of obedience. He said, give it, I give it. Because there are devastating things happen to the person who is not a tither. Devastating things. People wonder what, what's going on in their life because you're not a giver. You're robbing God. He can't rebuke the devourer for you. Number eight, number eight you have to pray and settle your heart. You have to have a prayer life. You have to, you have to pray. Get your emotions in check. Number, number, um, number nine, you have to begin to rejoice on purpose for the peace that God promised. Your situation is messed up, but I'm rejoicing. I'm rejoicing. Why? Because of what the word of God says. Not what my situation says. God's word says something different. That's why I'm rejoicing. I'm rejoicing this thing. I'm, 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 I'm rejoicing. And then number 10, I make a new plan. I make new plans. Choosing to focus on a better day and not the distasteful times. In other words, I understand it's bad right now, but I choose to look at a better day. I'm living, I'm, 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 I'm living in this right now, but I'm not looking at this. I'm, I'm living in it, but I'm not looking at it. Because what you look at is what you're going to become. It is like this here. When God wanted to change Abraham's emotion about how he felt in Genesis chapter 12, God understood he had to change what Abraham was looking at in order for him to change how he was feeling and where he was going. Abraham's emotion was, was that he was looking at his situation. I ain't, I ain't got no babies. And God promised me that he's going to give me some babies. And so what God does is that God understands, unless I can change what he's looking at, I can't change what he's going to say and feel. So what God does is God takes Abraham one day. He said, yeah, Abraham said, you know, you said you're going to do this. Is it going to be Hazar of Damascus going to do it? God said, no, 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 it's not going to be. And so God said, he, he, the Bible says that God put him to sleep in a tent. And then he brought him out and he told him, he said, look up to the sky. And Abraham looked and he said, count the stars, he said, so shall thy seed be. And Abraham looking up there, and the Bible says in verse 6, Abraham believed God. In other words, his belief system was changed by his vision, what he saw. The Bible says Abraham believed God and it was counted to him for righteousness. But what God had to do is God had to change what he was looking at. Because until he could change what he was looking at, he could not change later on what he would say about himself. Because still he was looking at, he would have been looking at, I still don't have no kids. But first he had to change his perspective on things before he could tell him to change what you say. And see, that's what you have to do in life. You have to be in a place that you have to look past where you're at and look down to where God promised you will be. Amen. 
it's, it's like this. Um, back in, back in uh, when I was in the desert, didn't have no church back in the 90s. As that storm and God began to deal with me and show me, only time I had this happen, a vision is, he just showed it to me, this is what it's going to be. He just showed it to me, right? And I seen it, and uh, I forgot about it. In other words, I divorced myself from what I saw that God showed me, and I began to act and respond based upon my environment. And so when I done that there, right, I began to go, I wanted, to, my emotions wanted to do something different. My emotions wanted to go and pursue that that I had planned on pursuing and not that that God showed me. And so what God began to do is God know how to get you where he wants you to be at. What God began to do, he begins to change my situation that I find myself in. And he began to change my emotions. He began to get me in the place to where emotionally I want what he wants for me because really God is still dealing with fallen man he still did so he had to everybody say change. change so God sovereignly changed my emotions what it was and he began to bring my focus back on what he what he showed me he had to do that with Abraham because even though he showed Abraham all of that still when Sarah came she said lay with my handmaiden he still laid with her because he took his eyes off of what God said. And God said it was going to come through Sarah. But he took his eyes off. And there was an emotional devastation because anytime you do something in the flesh trying to do what God told you, there's always a fallout from it. And you have to, you have to be in a place, right, that I'm going to stay focused. This is what God says. Regardless of what anybody say, this is what God told me. I know I heard from God. And so what God does is that God begins, when you're focused, he begins to guide your course. And he shows you things little by little. Because God never showed you the whole picture at one time. Amen. At one time. And so Abraham looks up and he sees the stars. He tells Abraham, he said, I want you to begin to say, you're not Abram, but Abraham. Begin to say what I showed you. Begin to say what I showed you begin even though your situation is still the same begin to say what I showed you and then your situation will begin to change and Abraham listen did not live to see everything that God promised him that's why the scripture says Abraham went about looking for a city whose builder and maker was God. And guess what? He never found it here. Because it wasn't here. It was somewhere else. But watch this. The reason why he could continually look all his life is because of the peace that he had in his emotions concerning God. That God can't lie to me. That what he promised me, he's going to get. He never seen the people that night, that clear night God gave him, he seen all the stars. He never seen them. But guess what? Because God said it, it has come to pass. See, that's why, I'm going to say this, I'm going to say, I'm going to get ready to close. You can never stop praying for your kids. You should never stop praying for them. Because some of us are saved because of the prayers of our grandparents. Amen. Our parents. That's why we, we, we say They dead and gone. They were dead when you got saved. But prayers always go up, and they accomplish what it is that God wants to accomplish. And so on your comeback, on your comeback, you stay focused on what God says. Regardless of what's going on in your relationship, you stay, you, we coming back. No, you, you have to say, no, we coming back. That love we used to have, we coming back. That togetherness we had, we coming back. Yeah, we're financially scrapped, but we're going to get us a budget. We coming back. We coming back. We, we, we coming back. Yeah, I, yeah we, we may have sinned and, and fell spiritually, but I'm on my way back. 
I'm on my way. I'm looking at a different day. Looking at a different day. And Jesus said this about, about him. The Bible says that Jesus said, he said, Abraham saw my day and he was glad. He's he seen his day. And he was glad. Thousands of years. He's seen it. What are you seeing about you? What, what, where you see you're at? Or have you allowed people and situations to sabotage you? You walking around not fulfilling the gift that God has given you. You're walking around not doing what it is that God wants you to do. What, what are you doing? You allow things to sabotage you and be, you be in a place where you're not fulfilling your divine purpose. But everybody say this right here, I'm on my comeback. Come on, say it like you mean, I'm on my comeback. I'm out of time. Give God some praise.